This episode contains graphic content. Listener discretion is highly advised. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to another episode of What the Actual F. My name is Harmony, and as always, I'll be your host here. If this is your first time tuning into the podcast, don't tell me because I'm going to get a little nervous. So we're just going to pretend that you've been here the whole time. All right, buddy? Cool. Nice having you back. But just in case there is a new person out there, let me tell you exactly what I do on this podcast. Every week, I bring you some of the weirdest things that I can find out there. And by that, I mean true crime, creepy stories, sometimes hauntings, and currently a bunch of conspiracies. For the past few episodes, I have been telling you all about some of the weirdest conspiracies that I can find. I do feel very uncomfortable calling these conspiracies, however, because for many of you who have been around since I started this list, you know that these conspiracies hide with facts, and that is what makes them so disturbing. Now, there is a big claim when it comes to this list of conspiracies that the deeper you go into digging, the more danger you put yourself in. Well, you know what? I like danger. Not really, not even a little bit, but I do for the sake of this podcast and your entertainment. So, let's see. Is this just as dangerous as it's supposed to be? Because today, we're going to jump into this list at a tier 9 theory. First one is definitely kind of fucking weird. I'm not even going to lie. But I want you guys to do me a favor. When I'm telling you these theories, I want you to go into them with an open mind. Because that is what makes these theories so damn terrifying. And I'm not going to lie, this first one, with an open mind, I might have actually encountered one of these. I shit you not. And who knows? Maybe you have too. Okay, this is all about the solar Plexus Clown Glider. (laughs) I really wish that was a joke, but that is what this theory is all about. Now that is the term that appears on this list. And I want to acknowledge right now that the name of this theory is hysterical. I mean, if someone came up to me and said, oh, I got to tell you about this theory, this is all about the Solar Plexus Clown Glider. I would stare at that person in disbelief and be like, did Did your mom drop you on your head, sweetheart? But that's the whole point of these theories is like they sound bonkers, but some of them are fucking terrifying. And the fact that there is stuff kind of to back them up is what even makes them creepier. So let's set aside the absolutely hysterical, made up, ridiculous name and dive into this theory. Okay, guys, remember, open mind. I'm serious. Open fucking mind. Thank you. Okay, the Solar Plexus Clown Glider, or SPCG, is the collective name given to a broad range of paranormal phenomena attributed to a corruptive entity which infects weak and vulnerable people through the solar plexus chakra. Now let's go to where this starts. This phenomena was linked to a horror-themed email. There's some nostalgia for you. 90s email, nothing like what you have today.
you've got mail. You have just logged into your AOL account. It is in the late 1990s and you see an email. In this email, you read something about solar plexus clown gliders and that now that you've read it, or if you say it, you will become infected. In this email is also a photo, a cursed image, if you will. And this photo is black and white with a humanoid face, a mouth gaping open, wide yet very small teeth, eyes that are staring at you, sunken in, and a crown on top of this face's head. According to this email, because you received it, because you read the words solar plexus clown glider, and because you saw the image, you are now susceptible to infection. By the way, if you're keeping track, because I said solar plexus clown glider, I could be infected, and now so can you. 2319! We have a 2319! First we had Zozo to worry about, and now we have these SPCGs. Stick with me guys, and I promise to keep your life in danger, apparently. Basically, an SPCG, rather than being like a physical or material cryptid, is something that operates on the level of language. These SPCGs make themselves known through images and words. So, not like a ghost that's gonna jump out and go, hey, what's up? Or, you know, boo. <laughs> That was scary! You will only encounter these through words, sound, and photos. These SPCGs appear to feed off of human misery. Think kind of like a demon, but you can't really see it. You guys know about demonic hauntings, the shadows, the voices, the knocking, the scratching. Demons also love to feed on misery and negativity. These are kind of like that as these SPCGs will bombard the human host with realistic hallucinations, or glitches in reality, if you will. This will cause them to feel emotionally drained, weak, and start to believe that they are going crazy. If this sounds crazy to you, I want you to think of something for a second before you blow this theory out. What would you do if you saw something you could not explain? Let's say you hear solar plexus clown glider and then tonight you're laying in bed and you see something that absolutely is very, very real. However, there is no fucking explanation as to how or why you are seeing what you're seeing. Now here's the question. Do you tell somebody? And if you do, are they going to think you're crazy? So if you've ever seen something you can't explain, Maybe you're already infected because if you told somebody about it, they'd probably think you're crazy. Or another one for you, if they believe you, they could be infected too. These SPCGs will simply then drive the host beyond their fullest capacity of psychological pain, driving them basically mad, leaving them to suffer and question all of their reality. Let's explain this sickness that comes with these SPCGs, just in case you're curious if you're infected. Remember guys, have an open mind. The sickness that comes with SPCG contact is described as, let's say similar to a meth addict's experience of withdrawal and paranoia symptoms. 
This is all the way up to and including near constant full body hallucinating experiences like you genuinely believe and feel what you are experiencing. So you don't realize that you're having a hallucination at all. Now couple that with all of the physical ailments of detoxifying or having withdrawals of being, you know, a meth addict. I can't really explain that. I've never done meth before, but I feel like it would suck. This will eventually drive them to full-blown psychosis. Let's talk about the background of this whole solar plexus infection. According to Hindu culture, the solar plexus harbors both positive and lower negative emotions. Now, whether you want to believe it or not, I'm going to give you some facts. We operate in this universe on vibrational energy. Take it from me, I do study quantum physics, I kind of know what I'm talking about here. So to be able to operate on both positive and lower negative emotions is completely normal for us. Now this chakra, one of the seven main ones, is also the center of your perseverance and desire to win. This is also the drive of your anger, irritation, hate, envy, greed, destructiveness, violence, cruelty, resentment, worry, anxiety, fear, selfishness, aggressiveness, and basically everything else. Think of these SPCGs as demonic entities that feed off of that chakra. They thrive off of those negative emotions which are fueled by your solar plexus. And this is a catch-22 because it's feeding off of those emotions and also adding to them. Now, no trace of the solar plexus clown gliders can be found prior to the 1990s male art movement. It was speculated that the phrase was engineered by a CIA experiment in mind control. As those who repeated the phrase, now let me tell you about another podcast that did this same theory as a topic of one of their episodes. It is stated that the host, Jason Carpenter, is a known suspected victim of SPCG. Million dollar idea, Airbud MD. Let's move on to the next story, because the next story is from the Conspiracy Iceberg list, and the next story is something that people have been talking a lot about requesting a lot about. Most of you guys have never heard of this, and it's a kind of an odd one. Like I said in the promo, if it, if if we accept that it's real, I might have seen one of them. So what this is, is this is something called a solar, a solar plexus clown glider. Just like me, he thinks the name is just as fucking ridiculous. But I will say his episode all about the solar plexus clown gliders is phenomenal. Now, what Jason claims he saw is one of these things. In his experience, he described what he saw as a giant cobra rise and slither down the aisles of a courtroom. So when I was in college, I had an assignment. I had to sit in a courthouse. I think it was, uh, I was, it wasn't criminal justice. It might've been journalism class. I had to sit in a courthouse and watch a trial and take notes. And I'm sitting in the back because I'm too cool to sit in the front. I'm sitting in the very back and they have those orange hard plastic chairs because who wants to be comfortable while watching your loved one be tried for murder? I'm sitting in one of those orange plastic chairs and I remember just kind of had my arm up. It was, I don't know, just a, a more a weekday morning. Had my arm up on the chair. I'm just kind of leaning back like Jason does. But I can't sit like a human. Again, too cool. So I saw something out of the corner of my eye, my right eye. And I, I'm alone in the back row. It's just me, and I'm sitting right at the aisle, because I always like to be on the aisle in case i got to go to the bathroom. And I'm sitting there, 
And so I catch something out of the corner of my right eye. And I remember turning to look. And in the chair, maybe two or three chairs down from me, was a three-foot-long cobra. And it was, like, coiled at the base. And it was, uh, you know, probably about as high as me. So it was wrapped up. It was, actually must have been more than, well, no, probably about three feet. It was it, That doesn't matter, Jason. It was coiled at the bottom. And then, like, its head was about the height of me. And it made this super weird movement, almost like this hyper animated movement that I don't think a snake could move in real life. Now, obviously, there was real no cobra sitting there. And I knew there's no cobra sitting there. I, I wasn't like, Ugh. I just looked over and saw it. And it was such a weird thing. And, and at the time, I was just like, oh, I must just be tired. I must just be dreaming. And to be fair, that's the most likely explanation. I was super tired. It was early in the morning. I was bored. I always stay up late. I turn, I look, I see something out of the corner of my eye, and then my brain is trying to construct something really quick for me to actually see, because I'm basically in a dream state. Now, after his experience in the courtroom, he says that he started to have severe anxiety, which he already had. It just got worse. And he described that his mood and quality of life started to take a serious decline. Now this might not sound like anything to you, but this is the whole point of what these solar plexus clown gliders do. A solar plexus clown glider is another term for, and you're going to have, so here, here's where we get onto the crazy train, guys. Solar plexus clown glider is another name for a interdimensional demon that latches onto your solar plexus like an infection. So after a ton of research on this, and I looked, I saw those couple, saw those five theories, and I looked for other ones, and really out of those, the one that I was able to find the most supporting quote-unquote evidence for is the interdimensional demon. And they're specifically known as Archon. Archons? Archons. Now, I wanted you guys to hear that because in Jason's episode, he brings up a entity known as the Archons. Now, if you guys couldn't guess, I have been looking into this kind of stuff for several, several years. I've been real weird for a real long time. And a few years ago, a friend of mine, Chip, hey Chip, if you ever hear this, actually told me all about these Archons. For me to find out that Archons are supposed to be the exact same thing as these solar plexus clown gliders is a little creepy. Because if you search into Archons, my god, they are terrifying. And that is what makes this theory even more terrifying. These are basically like alien, demonic entities that feed off of any and everything. They, they just like slowly destroy you by driving you mad but in like the most fucked up and just psychotic ways. I will give you a rundown though on what like Archons is or Gnosticism is. Archons are in Gnosticism, a religion closely related to the builders of the physical universe. Now I'm gonna botch all of these names and I'm very sorry. Among the Archontics, the Ophits and the Scythians are the writings of the Nag Hammadi Library. The Archons are rulers, each related to one of the seven planets. Hold on a second. That doesn't seem right. It says seven planets, but I mean like one, two, three, four. That's not right. Okay, so there's one flaw, but let's continue. Any hoozles, these Archons prevent souls from leaving the material realm, or what you and I inhabit. The political continuation of their names reflects rejection of the governmental system, and they leave you without any chance of true salvation. 
In Manichaeism, the Archons are the rulers of the realm within the Kingdom of Darkness, who together make up the Prince of Darkness. So basically, Archons are fucking demons, and they're like soul eaters, they, they fuck everything up when they're around. And in all truth, Jason says it best, it's depressing and terrifying to even think if these could be real. And the thing is, is there's also evidence that these are a very real entity. But we'll talk about that on another episode because Archons are also on this iceberg conspiracy theory list. So, so, Mr. Wizard, <laughs> let's start basics. Sure, sure. What is an Archon? So, uh, one of the ideas with Archons is um, that they are something of a representative, a, d a direct spiritual entity that is sent, maybe sent by the gods, maybe um, prayed for to intervene. There's a variety of different ways the Archons can come into being, but they're supposed to be an embodiment of a higher power. So look forward to that episode where we dig into what exactly the Archons are and what exactly they're doing. Now let's get back to Jason Carpenter and his experience. After he had what he experienced with the Cobra in the courtroom, he really went into a decline with his mental state. It was only later after researching the topic of the SPCGs that he speculated the experience had to be related. He considers the SPCG to be a mematic parasite which exists only to spread human suffering. Now obviously there is a well-known image associated with the SPCGs. I know I said they don't show themselves physically like ghosts, but when you're infected, they do. Like obviously you're having hallucinations. But you obviously have to have a physical entity to have a photo of this entity, so yes, you can physically see them. Hence the most famous photo related to the SPCGs. Let's talk about this physical manifestation of the SPCG. They occasionally physically manifest as a demonic jester type figure. If you have no idea what a jester is, then this is for you. A jester was kind of like the uh, a court clown back in medieval times. They had like a clown outfit with bells and jumped and told jokes and laughed really weird. <laughs> Now I don't know about you, but I personally don't like clowns, so this, this is terrifying for me. And it's not like I have a really bad phobia of clowns, I just, a creepy jester, I don't, I don't want to fuck with that, I'm good, thank you. Now it may appear in this demonic jester figure, but its form is ultimately fluid. That means that it's capable of infiltrating and deforming any visual surface once it has enough power over its victim. Its actual, quote, body is more often said to resemble oozing forms of slugs or snakes. Often it looks to be made of some sort of substance that is outside of our normal and natural laws of three dimensions. Think something kind of similar to like uh, a stick man, but seeing it in reality. It, it doesn't look like it would belong. 
However, trying to put any actual specific form to this entity is completely meaningless, as ultimately it's not reducible to its hallucinatory contents, but the rumored effects of a phrase engineered to trigger mental deterioration. And of course, the other theory that if you also see the image of them, you become infected as well. And yet there is only one image available of these SPCGs now. And that is the one I told you about earlier and we'll be posting on the Instagram if you'd like to test this theory and see if you get infected. There is another theory that you can catch this infection by listening to a special frequency associated with the SPCG. I didn't really dive too much into that one, but I mean, you're more than welcome to. Let's talk a little bit about the history of these SPCGs. It has been suggested that the SPCG is an example of an early internet legend boosting a whole Trojan virus code by the same name, which gained quick recognition. Now, obviously, for years since the internet has been around, viruses have been around as well. And in the beginning, a lot of these viruses were sent via email. Now you can get a virus simply by clicking a link in a text message. So think of it like that. You open the email, you click something, and boom, you lose everything on your computer. It's been infected. However, this was more of like an early jump scare type prank that went around like a worm email. Only it was exceptionally cruel as the code could wait indefinitely to suddenly flash a scary face on your screen at any time. It doesn't mean you had to be staring at the email. It could be at any point in time and then suddenly, boom, jump scare. Just think about it. You're sitting there playing Doom on your computer. Remember, this is the 90s. And all of a sudden, I don't care who you are. If you had no idea that something was about to pop up on your screen and it happened, a little bit of pee will come out. I don't know if anyone listens to this has ever watched a jump scare reaction video, but they are, they're actually kind of hilarious. I'm not going to lie. But back in the day when you were checking your email and this happened, it was terrifying enough. But if it just happened out of nowhere, you're going to punch that computer without a doubt. But the thing is, is nobody knew that their PC was infected with this jump scare virus. It has been suggested that the urban legends surrounding SPCG were spread in the wake of the virus or by the creator to further cement the effect of the computer being haunted. I don't know about you, but that'd be a little scary. You know, you, uh, you had a random jump scare in your computer, but you also read an email that says you are now infected and will be seeing these things. Yeah, that might add a little bit of credibility. I don't know. At least in the 90s. Now we've got way too much on the internet to disprove a lot of things. But in the 90s, when things like Angel Fire and Yahoo Answers, we didn't really have a lot of stuff. SPCG myth could kind of be looked at as like the first kind of myth of the digital mind. We have all read or seen, you know, memes, but those kind of started like chain mail, except you didn't want to share and spread this. Chain mail was the most despised thing in the 90s. However, that's exactly what this was. It would forward itself to everybody in your email and they would become infected as well. Therefore, leading credence that this email caused you to have hallucinations. The SPCG myth can also be considered an ostentation myth. Now, it would be more ostentational of the digital era. Ostentational is kind of like Bloody Mary, something that is passed down, reenacted, and becomes a tradition in folklore. 
therefore Bloody Mary, which is passed down through generations. I'm not saying it for a third time, just in case. But we all know it. You stand in front of a mirror, you say her name or his name. I don't want to assume this is 2021. And uh, voila, she, her, the, the creepy, scary entity will appear and ah, you're dead. So think of these SPCGs as that, but through the digital era. No longer are we passing down these folklores through just word of mouth and campfire stories. Now they're all over the internet. There is a woman, if you look in the mirror and say her name three times, you die. Now let's go ahead and talk about some of the theories that are behind what an SPCG is. One theory states that it is an interdimensional demon which activates in the solar plexus region. This was the original meaning of the term used by the New Age practitioners, most notably by chakra healers and advocates of the spiritual movement in the late 1980s and early 1990s. SPCGs were also talked about by an American film director, David Lynch. He explored the popular occult during the time in his career and would write extensively about a very similar entity or psychic illness. He called this, capitalizing SPCG, the suffocating rubber clown suit of negativity. He described this illness the exact same way that the SPCG legend is described as well. Then there's the theory that it is a military, scientific, or underground project to create a mimetic brain deteriorating weapon. You know, just turn us all into zombies. <laughs> I'm a zombie, life is lonely I stroll through the night Hoping somebody might hold me Hold me closely Grow to know me Will you be my bro? And of course, as I stated earlier, this could also just be an example of digital folklore or ostentational practices. Obviously, it could be a hoax, you know, perhaps a misremembered jump scare virus, not exactly some very real passing through language, demon interdimensional entity, just some hoax. And then, you know, the theory that this is a very real demon. What the? Oh, shit! A demon! You better get the fuck out of my crib! There's a demon! There's a motherfucking demon! Don't let me square up! I got the hands! I got the hands! So what do you think? Do you think these solar plexus clown gliders are real? If it is real, do you think that it is a interdimensional entity that is feeding off of our negative emotions? Do you think it's a demon? Or do you simply believe it's a hoax? Just a simple 1990s email virus that scared the shit out of early internet users. This is like just a picture. <laughs> interrupt our program to bring you this important message. This podcast would not be possible without the help of my sponsors. I'd like to give a big thank you to Doom and Groom. Doom and Groom is a craft hair, skin, beard, and tattoo care company based in Denver, Colorado. Their oils, balms, butters, and pomades are great for use head to toe. 
Listen, if you follow me on social media, then you know recently I got pretty sunburned. I am also very much covered in tattoos. When I get sunburned, the first thing I need to do is make sure my skin is hydrated so I do not degrade the integrity of the ink on my body. Thank you to Doom and Groom and the products that I have from them. My skin is absolutely still healthy. Even if I wasn't smart enough to put the sunscreen on beforehand, Doom and Groom saved me after the fact. I cannot tell you enough how much I recommend Doom and Groom products and how much I use them on a daily basis. All of Doom and Groom products are unisex, dye-free, chemical-free, and plastic-free. So head on over to doomandgroom.net and check out all that they have to offer. And when you've found exactly what you're looking for, use the code HARMONY at checkout and take 10% off of your purchase. Again, thank you, Doom and Groom. I love you guys. Now I'd like to say a big thank you to Fiji Tree of Life. Fiji Tree of Life is a green veteran-owned company. And if you don't know what I mean by green, here's a little hint for you. I can't believe that is what you idiots have been doing in my basement all these years. Head on over to FijiTreeOfLife.com and check out all of the amazing products they have to offer. My two favorite products personally are the Delta 8 gummies and the Wedding Cake Delta 8 flower. If you are in the Washington, D.C. area, Fiji Tree of Life is holding an event on Memorial Day. That's right, Sunday, May 30th, 2021 will be a puff and paint hosted by Fiji Tree of Life. Head on out to Haynes Point Picnic Area, light a joint, and let your creativity flow. This will be from 4.30 till 6.30 p.m. Eastern Time. This is completely legal, no medical card needed. Head on over to FijiTreeOfLife.com and find out more about this event if this is in your area and something you would love to check out. If I was closer, I'd be there. Even if you're not in the area, head on over to FijiTreeOfLife.com and check out all of their green products. Use my code HARMONY at checkout to get 10% off of your purchase. And again, a big thank you to Fiji Tree of Life. I love you guys. Hello, boys and girls. How are you? You know, today is going to be a wonderful day. Today could be a wonderful day for many reasons. We might get mail from the postman. Or we might just get a song from Ace. Because I'm back. Let's drop down a peg to tier 8, and with a quick Google search, this theory is true. One day is not 24 hours. Okay, let's get into this. Our system of telling time is based on the premise that every day is exactly 24 hours long. Quite precisely, with absolutely no exceptions. This concept is fully ingrained in our culture, a core principle of our modern technological society. At the same time, we are taught in school that a day corresponds to one complete rotation of Earth on its axis. Unfortunately, these two concepts don't quite match up, and the difference of time is more than just a few milliseconds. In fact, the mismatch amounts to several minutes every single day. 
Furthermore, because our traditional concept of a day is actually defined by the circle of sunlight and darkness and not by one rotation of the earth, the length of a real day is not consistent, but it varies somewhat during the year. We're just over here pretending that every day is the same length. You're probably wondering what I meant by we pretend that all days are 24 hours. Let me explain. What we basically do is we average the length of all the days in the year and then define this average as a quote standard day of exactly 24 hours. Because who wants to sit here and say May 3rd, 2017 was actually 24 hours, 58 minutes and 0.7 milliseconds. And on the other side, we could say June 7th, 1974 was 24 hours, 17 minutes, and 4 seconds. I actually don't know if those figures are true. I'm just using them as examples, so please don't try to Google me on that. Now, this isn't a bad thing that we don't know exactly how long every day is. In fact, it's been quite helpful to define our system of time in this manner. But once you understand why this system does not quite match up with the real world, then you can begin to make sense of several interesting phenomena. For example, you would think that the earliest sunset and the latest sunrise would both occur on the shortest day of the year, which, as we all know, is the first day of winter. And if you didn't know that, now you do. And knowing is half the battle. However, this is not the case at all. That's right, guys, we're gonna get educational today. If our definition of a day was truly based on one complete rotation of the Earth on its axis, a 360-degree spin, then a day would be 23 hours, 56 minutes, and 4 seconds. This is nearly 4 minutes shorter than our 24-hour standard day. However, our concept of a day has long been based on the natural cycle of sunlight, a period of daylight followed by a period without daylight. Or like day and night. Day and night. Okay, so what causes this little injustice of mismatching time? This lost four minutes is because the Earth must rotate more than 360 degrees between one dawn and the next. As you know, the Earth experiences two simultaneous motions. It not only spins on its axis, but it also travels in orbit around the sun. Hi, I'm Steve. I drive a car. It's in a tree. Just kidding. My name's not Steve. I'm filing for an extension on my taxes because I the sun is a deadly laser. It takes the Earth 365 days to go all the way around the sun. So in a day, it's one part of that 365 day travel. And that's, you know, how we define a year measuring by the days. This daily progress in the Earth's orbit is almost exactly a degree which is defined as 1 360th of a circle. Therefore, the Earth has to spin an extra degree in order to line up with the sun again each day. The result is that one complete cycle of sunlight and darkness one day represents a rotation of about 361 degrees, not 360. Although a year consists of 365 and a quarter days, the Earth actually spins 366 and a quarter times during the year. From that standpoint of sunrises and sunsets, one complete spin is negated each year by the journey around the sun. So there you go. That one's true. One day is not 24 hours. And not even just that, but we don't even spin 360 degrees. So there you go. Your whole educational system about days is a lie. 
This Tier 7 theory is all about The Simpsons. It was on December 17, 1989, when the world was introduced to the family known as The Simpsons. The Simpsons reside in a town known as Springfield, which is believed to be in the United States. You can watch The Simpsons just about anywhere. The series is presented as an animated sitcom. This is actually a spin-off from The Tracy Ullman Show, where they first appeared on April 19, 1987. There's another knowledge bomb for you. Obviously, everybody knows who the Simpsons are. You can find mass fan sites all over the internet where you can find loads of information about America's favorite family. These sites provide information on those who provide the voices for the characters and the animation of the series. Now, I have to say, I have to say I worked, I, I, I worked uh, at The Simpsons for two years and I never got used to seeing those voices come out of you guys. It's a strange... It's a strange thing to see Homer Simpson come out of you. It's you know a I mean? weird thing, yeah. There have been like times where we had guest actors on. Uh, well, actually, we had you two one time, and uh, um, of course, you'll bleep this out, I'm sure, later. But uh, I, I, uh, I came up to the mic, and I was introduced to the members of you two, and and I said my first line is Homer said, "Hello, Bono," you know, and you went, "What the? Wait, wait." <laughs> Okay, so according to this theory, there is a big cover-up concerning the people of Springfield and especially of the Simpsons family. You see, Fox Broadcasting, yeah, Fox. The Environmental Protection Agency, the Atomic Energy Commission, World Nuclear Association, U.S. Department of Energy, Nuclear Energy Agency, American Nuclear Society, Nuclear Energy Institute, United States Nuclear Regulatory Commission, and even the federal government of the United States of America, including the president, are all involved in this dastardly conspiracy of the largest civilian nuclear disaster of all time. At least according to this theory. I'm sure most of you have all heard of Three Mile Island and Chernobyl, but no one has ever heard of the terrible tragedy of Springfield, USA. What is it, you ask? Why is this lackluster management of C. Montgomery Burns allowed to have become so bad? Because it's probably fake. Why is he not in jail for the crimes against the environment and against the people of Springfield? Because it's probably just a cartoon. Why do we allow Montgomery Burns, the greatest monster of all time, to keep torturing the Simpsons? Because it's just a cartoon. Or so you think. Oh, I tricked you, didn't I? Hmm? You thought The Simpsons was just a cartoon, but it's not. Obviously, that's why we're here. But why the cover-up? Why the conspiracy? Why the cartoon? The governmental and non-governmental agencies are to protect the American public from the mismanagement of poorly constructed and poorly ran nuclear power plants. However, according to this theory, the people of America and even the world are suffering from the poisonous spew from Springfield. Why has nothing been done about it? According to this theory, the Simpsons are very real. And obviously, 
The power plant is dangerous. Boom, boom, but wait, hold on. All right, so let's talk about this theory as if it were real. Because apparently it is, that's the whole theory. There are real lives affected here and people are suffering and have suffered needlessly according to this. After all, hiding something in plain sight is the best way to hide it. By showing The Simpsons as an animated sitcom and pretending that they are, you know, not real or figments of Matt Groening's imagination, that is the lie. That's right, guys. The lie is that it's animated and that it's just a cartoon. That's how they can hide it from you because you believe it's all fake. Okay, so the truth is that it's not just an animated series like we're led to believe. The truth is that it's a reality show. I'm sorry. I need to... I, I, hold on a second. I had, I had some bullshit in my mouth. Hold on. The truth is it's a reality... Okay, it's still coming out the same. <coughs> the truth is it's a reality... Okay, I can't stop it. I'm sorry. The truth is it's a reality show featuring the lives of real people in a real town suffering from the effects of a real environmental disaster. We're just going to pretend it's not an animated cartoon, guys, all right? Those are real people. The lies will be shown for what they are, according to this theory. Now, you can read all about this theory on your own as well online. Just Google The Simpsons Theory, and you'll be met by a site that will tell you all about this. The whole site is to try to persuade you, I'm sorry, not persuade you, to prove to you that the people of Springfield are, in fact, real people. And someday you will be a real boy. A real boy! On this site, it says that it can provide evidence of possible deaths from real radiation poisoning. Even going on to say that the first season of the show was, in fact, the final season of The Simpsons. I, I don't know, it gets real confusing. It states that all events of the show have happened in a span of only one year. Uh, okay. I understand that we just learned time isn't exactly what we think it is with the year and, you know, days and everything, but I don't see how that can, how that can work. How, there's a lot of, t what? Okay, so I'm finding plot holes here, but you know what? Let's continue. Okay, we're going to get really confusing here and I'm sorry, but I'm going to try to break this whole theory down. This is really going to get confusing, guys, but uh, try to hold on tight. Okay, so we all know that the time in The Simpsons is kind of off. But we also just learned that a year isn't even actually what we're taught, or days aren't either, so what is time? But the whole point is that there is a lack of events or dates that are mentioned that can show specific times and dates within the series. There are clues, however, and those clues are far and few between. To start off, there must be some assumptions that must be made. Because obviously, when you have a conspiracy theory, it's solely based on assumptions. And that's a good way to start, so let's start there. These assumptions to base this theory are as follows. Season 1 of The Simpsons is actually the final season of The Simpsons, and not, in fact, the first one as it's widely portrayed. Y'all are dumb, I can't believe you thought it was the first season, it's not like it says it's the first season. Also, our next assumption is that The Simpsons on The Simpsons short that was originally on The Tracy Ullman Show are one and, in fact, the exact same, which I'm, I'm pretty, pretty sure they are. Next assumption, the cast of The Simpsons never appear to age. Hold on a second. The cast or the cartoon characters? Because right now I can tell you the cast has absolutely aged. I mean... 
we've lost some of the cast members. You know what, let's just go ahead and say that it's the characters in the show that never age. But again, that's probably just because they're not real. <clears throat> Sorry, let's continue with the assumptions. The next is that the term animation is just used to describe The Simpsons as an intentional deception. Listen, it's called the animated series, not because it's a cartoon. How dare you say that? You would be correct, but how dare you? It's a lie. It's not a cartoon. It's a deception. It's not animated. It's real. Them's the facts. And you know what? You can't handle the truth. You can't handle the truth. <laughs> Sorry. The next assumption we have. Yeah, there's more, by the way. We got to continue with these to really make the basis of this theory so believable with our assumptions, which I feel like is the polar opposite of fact. But whatever, let's continue. The different appearances of the Springfield residents that are seen in the Simpsons shorts and in the season one of the Simpsons are not the result of the animators not settling on a certain style, but in fact, evidence of widespread and drastic disease that the people have contracted. And how did they contract this, do you ask? Radiation exposure! <clears throat> Sorry. Uh, they got this through radiation exposure, obviously, from toxic environmental factors. You guys know what I'm talking about. You've seen The Simpsons. Duh. The next assumption that we have to make is that all content ever recorded for The Simpsons was all done before April 1987. It doesn't matter what you've seen recently. No, it doesn't matter at all. This is the date that they first appeared on The Tracy Ullman Show. So it's all had to have been created before then, I think, according to this confusing theory. The next assumption, <clears throat> okay, this, this next assumption is that the use of, quote, voice actors, you know, like Nancy Cartwright, Hank Azaria, and many others, is just some kind of scheme to add layers to The Simpsons. Okay, I don't mean layers like an onion, I mean layers to the whole conspiracy theory that is The Simpsons. So basically, the career of these voice actors that they've had in this show is completely Fake. Hi, everybody. Hi, everybody. Hi, everybody. We got that. There's really no variations to do on that. Uh, excuse me. Hello. Welcome to the Quickie Mart. Sir, we can pay you back for the donuts when we find our car. Do you think I am moved by your sub story? I come from a country where the words for sewage and beverage are the same. Uh, yeah, I'm looking for a friend, last name Keybum, first name Lee. Yeah, hang on, I'll check. Uh, hey, guys, do I got a Lee Keybum? Come on, look at the stools. Uh, is there a Lee Keybum? Uh, somebody checked the weir. I know I got a Lee Keybum. <clears throat> I'm just going to act like I didn't play you guys an actual scene that's recorded of the voice actor creating that. I'm just going to act like that's that's not very real. Now this goes on to say that this conspiracy is known to those in position and yet they choose to remain oblivious. Here's another assumption you have to make with this theory. Apparently it's super important. Krusty has a heart attack in 1986. This is during the Tracy Ullman style Simpsons. It was on April 5th, 1987 that 20th Century Fox Television, the Tracy Ullman show, made this debut on American TV. In this new series that premiered, we are introduced to the Simpsons family. And this was done in segments known as the Simpson Shorts. The appearance of the Simpsons is compared to that of a poorly drawn animation. So nothing like it is seen today. 
Later in 1989, these Simpsons people got their own TV show named after them called The Simpsons. This is when the appearance of The Simpsons changes and becomes considerably different. Some say that a larger budget allows for better animation techniques. According to this theory, they say otherwise. By the way, I don't actually know why any of that was important to this theory, but the site wanted it to be known just as I read it to you. Yeah, I'm as confused as you are, but we're still in this theory because apparently it's a tier seven and it's terrifying. So in episode 12, Krusty is arrested and in a news article that is featured a day before his trial. We see footage of a heart attack that Krusty experienced in 1986. According to this theory, this is proof apparent that Springfieldians were around and relatively healthier than they would be in less than a year later. The footage seen may not have been captured by Fox, you know, a regular old Fox cameraman just filming these Simpson characters out in the real world. However, according to this theory, though that's not the case and a cameraman was not there, uh, it's still pretty compelling evidence, they do say themselves. Yeah, I hope you guys caught on to that. This theory basically says that a cameraman from Fox is there in Springfield filming this. Whew, I think we left the crazy station a long time ago. We are now in insane land. Okay, now the main thing about this theory, besides the fact that it's fucking bonkers, What's going on with you? What are you talking about? You, you sound insane. I'm going to go ahead and advise you to put on any mask that you have near you because you do not want to catch this kind of crazy. But I'm about to expose you to it. Here we go. According to this theory, uh, in season one, these people are suffering from innumerable diseases. Just completely afflicted. It's even stated that you can pinpoint easily to the source of the epidemic. And that is the leaking radiation of Springfield nuclear. It is the radiation that not only affects the people, but also infects the environment. If you'll think back to your early days in elementary school, you might have learned something about this. It's called pollution. However, this is like a lot worse. It is the radiation that not only affects the people, but also all of the environment. Within several episodes in the first season alone, we see uncensored images of environmental damage. Evidence of this you can see in episode two. You'll see a plant that starts out as green, and then it is seen later in a scene where it turns orange. Then in episode four, there is a orange sky during the daytime. And of course, this cannot be the sunset. Absolutely not, it's too early in the day, even though we just talked about times and day and how that is not exactly what we think it is but not according to this theory the sunset only sets at a certain time every day duh <clears throat> yeah no it's not the sun it's, it's definitely not it's radiation we are also shown a landscape that is covered and riddled with toxins the soil is miscolored and it burns constantly also in episode five you see a skyscape that is out of the ordinary Normal blue in one direction, and then an ominous red-orange color in another. Episode 7 shows off colored leaves as the Simpsons trek through the forest. And that's obviously not because it's fall or anything. Well, according to this theory, all of that radioactive material that's released into their environment is doing so many strange and not-so-wonderful things to Springfield. And in order for Fox Broadcasting to explain the odd-looking people and scenery, 
they came up with the story that was widely and easily accepted. <clears throat> that it was an animated series. That's right, Fox announced that this is just an animated series. Therefore, hiding the truth in plain sight. I mean, who are we to believe that, you know, some guy at a table drew each and every frame of Simpsons? <laughs> I think not! Come on, sheeple, wake up. These people we see on The Simpsons are evidently real flesh and blood people. An animator cannot just add so much detail to the show simply with a pencil. I'm an artist. Listen to me, I'm telling you the truth. You cannot create that kind of look with art utensils at all. It, no. You can even see the signs and the symptoms of disease and all the subtle nuances and pollution that is affecting all of the people and places of Springfield. Now, according to this theory, Fox had to come up with something to explain the odd situation of Springfield. This was the first lie in the fast cover-up of the people and places that are seen on The Simpsons. But why do this in the first place? If they said the truth that there is a real show with real people, then people would cause an outcry on the huge nuclear disaster that happened and is happening in Springfield and the surrounding community, at least according to like this theory. The lawsuits and the criminal investigations would eat into Fox's finances and everybody who's involved and just it would just look real bad. And according to this theory, that is bad because money is God to the greedy and losing their God is worse than losing their lives. I'm going to agree there. I am going to agree that money-hungry, powerful assholes are out there. And all that greed for that power and money will absolutely destroy them more than the thought of dying. If they don't have their money and their power, they are nothing. <clears throat> yeah, so that's the, what Fox is, according to this theory. And yeah, we all know Fox is a very big company, and I'm not saying it's not powerful and wants a lot of money. I'm just saying that I don't believe this theory at all. Okay, okay. I mentioned that these voice actors weren't actually the voices of, you know, The Simpsons. In fact, they are fake people. <laughs> oh my god, hold on a second. I'm sorry, I'm reading this from the site. I really am, and I, I can't. I, I just can't. <clears throat> okay, if you check, you will see a vast list of voice actors. This is a list of people who have lent their voices to the people of Springfield. How come voice actors are needed for a show that is about living people, according to this theory? Living people have their very own voices, and voice actors are not needed. Point taken. <laughs> what the fuck? Oh, man. But... This theory reminds you that there is a conspiracy involving even the popular series, The Simpsons, you know, duh. What do Uncle Ben, Aunt Jemima, and Betty Crocker all have in common? Absolutely nothing! Because they don't exist. These people are the creation of marketing teams for their respective companies. So they've never existed in any way, shape, or form. They are simply like a mascot for the company that uses to represent them. Well, according to the theory, that's exactly what these fake voice actors are. Simply a friendly face for Fox to use to hide that the Simpsons are very real. Apparently, these are absolutely real living people, okay? You got that? They are real. But they have been paid to provide a face for a product. Okay, let's talk about reasons for this conspiracy. Why is there a cover-up in the first place? What could be the motive for lying to people of the world? Who is all involved in this conspiracy? I'm going to read to you the attempt to try to explain some of the possible reasons and motive for this 
trickery, according to the uh, theory. Too big to fail. Evil Mr. Burns, the Springfield citizenry. <clears throat> In 2008, the phrase too big to fail entered America's lexicon. Big money was losing big money, and they needed to be bailed out with bigger money. This was a pitiful display of corporate corruption on politics. Billions of dollars were given to billion-dollar companies so they could buy new toys. Truly a sickening development in American politics and business. This example of open corruption gives complete disregard to American people. The greedy, deceitful, untrustworthy know that they can pull the wool over America's eyes because it's happened before. And this is the event that was the Springfield nuclear disaster cover-up. This was supposed to have happened sometime in the early 1980s. There is a huge list of organizations and agencies, most of which are governmental. Apparently, they dropped the ball on regulating the nuclear plant in Springfield. So, many people would become affected in a negative way. And obviously, if there was an investigation on the actions and inactions of C. Montgomery Burns, then many would have to answer some embarrassing questions on their very own personal incompetence. And let's face it, nobody wants to be called an idiot. I'm an idiot! People would be fired and they would lose their pensions and their benefits. Some may even go to jail. After all, nobody wants to go to jail, do they? So they all came up with this grand plan to make a scheme to hide the truth. They decided to erase all history of Springfield, lock up any evidence of any person who has ever lived in or worked in Springfield, silence anyone who didn't want to play along. And they came up with a brilliant plan to hide this all in plain sight. I know what you're saying, this plan might sound a little crazy. And it fucking is, because it's not real. <clears throat> Sorry, let me continue. Sure, this plan meant that tens of thousands of Springfield and surrounding residents would die. But at least the evil people at Fox, EPA, Atomic Energy Commission, World Nuclear Association, U.S. Department of Energy, Nuclear Energy Agency, American Nuclear Society, Nuclear Energy Institute, United States Nuclear Regulatory Commission, the President of the United States, and even those secret members of the world government. They could all sleep at night. On their beds of money, obviously. Which brings us to the next explanation for this conspiracy theory. The new god, money. In the 1980s, Fox Television was a new enterprise. They were still looking to make their mark on American television. According to this theory, they sent an investigative reporter, maybe more than one, to Springfield where they caught wind of a nuclear disaster in the making. This is when they sent hundreds of camera crews within Springfield and its surrounding communities to document the ruination of the people and environment. But these well-intentioned Fox reporters were quickly rounded up and forced to work with the conspirators. Those involved did not want their conspiracy exposed before it could even be launched. After bribing the CEOs of Fox, they silenced any reporter that would not join the team. This gives perfect reason to why there is so much footage on Springfield. 
or that it's an animated series. This also accounts to why no one has ever leaked anything to a, a whistleblower of any sort. Because obviously, you know, it's not because it's a cartoon or animated series, sorry. According to this theory, no right-minded evil plotter would let anyone know the truth. If everyone knows the truth, then, you know, you lose all of your luxuries because you're just so evil and all you care about is money, Fox. Or according to this theory. This actually goes in so much deeper into fucking crazy, crazy places. If you ask me, I don't find it at all to be believable. But if you want to know more about this theory, go check it out. Just Google the Simpson theory. And I'm not talking about the Simpson predicts the future theory. Go to spinpasta.fandom.com backslash wiki backslash the underscore Simpsons underscore theory. There you will be introduced to the craziest shit I have read. And all of it is based on assumptions. And you know what they say about assumptions? Assuming only makes an ass out of you and me. Or just makes you sound fucking insane. Wait. Wait. Hold on. The dart, man. Got a fucking dart in your neck. You're crazy. You're crazy, man. You're crazy. I like you. But you're crazy. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, you guys can go check that out. And who knows, maybe you'll be convinced that The Simpsons are not an animated series, but very real people. <laughs> I hope you guys enjoyed today's episode of What the Actual F. I know we've been diving into these theories for quite some time now, but I am truly intrigued by them. Seeing as how the biggest rumor about them is that they are dangerous to look into. And here I am, still doing it. That's right, <laughs> I like to live dangerously. Or I just simply don't think it's as dangerous as stated. But who knows, will we make it to the end? I guess you're going to have to come back next week and check out which theories I run down again. Or if I'm even still going to be here. <clears throat> I'm kidding. I, I don't. I, I think I'm fine. I think I'm safe. I'm thinking next week, though, I look up some of the ones that come with warnings. And these warnings say do not research. Well, you know what? <laughs> I'm going to do it. So come back next week and tune in to the next episode of What the Actual F, where we look into some theories that are supposed to be more dangerous than others. On an already supposed to be dangerous list. I don't know, this theory list is weird. So let's make it a date. See you next week. Until then, stay safe, love you, and I'll talk to you next time. You ready to sing goodbye? I am. Okay. Cool. <laughs> Until